peace isn't passivity or self-abandonment, nor is it denial or avoidance. Peace is wholeness and calmness and excitement toward possibilities and accepting yourself around every single corner. And I think that that's the biggest thing inside of my world where I look around at women and I wonder if they're thinking the same way that I'm thinking. I wonder if anybody else is feeling the fact that, you know, inside of my, let's, let's say we are a third of the way through life or a quarter of the way through life. What have I learned? What have I built so far? What am I understanding about myself? What is changing about myself? And I think that part of the reason why I really love going on these beautiful hikes is because I get to watch these trees change and develop over time between storms that pass and leave a destruction in their wake or between spaces that are cleared so tragically and remove homes and watching the way that nature pivots consistently and persistently. And so sometimes we stop trying to get something out of our business or stop trying to get something out of everything to just be, to be in this beautiful portal of our world, our earth, and grow to this place of just deeper understanding of feeling alive and what makes us feel alive. When we experience everything in win or lose or praise or blame or disappointment or happiness or pleasure and pain. It's this duality that limits itself in this boring black or white ordeal. One cannot be open to praise and not receive blame. Who can experience pleasure who has never experienced pain? And who can experience pain who has never experienced pleasure? And I think this is where nature and reality really connect with my heart on so many depths because when there's pain in business, sometimes there's this visceral reaction from the ancestral trauma that we've all experienced in, in a variety of spaces, but there is also ancestral wisdom. And what, is that supposed to just go out the window? No, but sometimes I think that the negative events that can occur take up so much space inside of our stage of life that the positives just sit on the sidelines 
And isn't that tragic? That despite all of our efforts, that all of the things that we are driving to or pushing for, that along the way we don't experience this beautiful feeling of satisfaction bite by bite. Because we just continue to punish ourselves. And I wonder often how the women of our ancestral perspectives, who were so wise, who built themselves across so much more adversity, how they would look at us today. My whole heart wonders this because, you know, my grandmother came over to America on, for, through Ellis Island, and this is not a story I, I often discuss because it makes me tearful. So I apologize ahead of time, but this is more of a softening podcast, I would suppose. Not even a podcast, I'm just chatting with you. So thank you for listening. When my grandmother came over through Ellis Island and she would often talk about this experience where she came over with her sisters and her brother and her mom. And her father came over later, but they came over on this very small boat from Greece, landed at Ellis Island where everyone got the same birth date. And it was affirmed to her that she was nobody at that point. And she was very young. And they traveled across the entire ocean to get here for a dream, for a belief, for a hope. And I look at their lives through the depression and through war and through so much heartbreak where her little sister under 16 years old would soon pass away where flood would take away everything later that they so difficultly and tirelessly worked toward And that all of that desire, all of that pain, all of that hope, all of those beliefs, all of that faith, it didn't leave them to abandon it. And I often wonder who was their guide? And I remember asking my grandmother, you know, why do we work so hard? Or why do we do these things, right? We, we had this little plot of land and a goat who persistently would rip apart my, I used to have these like covers over my diapers. <laughs> and this goat would attack me all the time. And... I could only see hell through that, to be honest. I mean, this goat was just angry and my mother would laugh and laugh and my grandmother would laugh and I would just complain. I'd be like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> and I had this distrust, this, this 
cowardliness around this goat. And my grandmother would look at me and she'd say, you're made of tougher stuff than that. Come on, Rebecca. And we proceed and we keep moving and we have happiness amongst the pain. Even if sometimes it's the path through our personal hell where we encounter these moments of pain and loss and confusion. And we can live either in denial of truth of our experiences or obsess over the pains and disappointments like the goat. I could obsess over it. I could sit in that pile of muck crying. And as a child, yes, absolutely, I would understand that little child. But after my first quarter of life, I desire to consciously accept it, even embrace life not working out, and trust that in my actions and in my adjustments and in my pivots that I am discovering meaning. I'm discovering a lesson. I'm discovering fearlessness and courage, even if it's a little teeny tiny droplet at a time. That all that pain and all of this loss sometimes is a teacher. That life itself is not disappointing. It's just a series of moments to practice with life. And I want to look back on my life and say, wow, I'm so proud of her for being so courageous and not losing hope. I want to talk about the years where when pain arose, I had allowed for a certain duration and then I allowed it to pass because otherwise what is the what is the contrast right disappointment has this quality that can overtake because our minds refuse to accept what it actually is and therefore we live that disappointment over and over and over again never noticing until after that initial experience that it is only a memory. We're watching reruns all day long. And I think it's worth pointing out that in the past, I would brace for disappointment that wasn't even present yet. Whether as a child walking out to the goat and knowing or thinking I knew that it was about to just go to that next phase. But also as an adult, right? I mean, we've all been in relationships, at least I have been in quite a few relationships where I have had distrust around the man really claiming me. Hence, what was born inside of Riser and Roll and perhaps why we have such a high engagement rate now. I studied it. I deeply desired to understand it because I didn't for my own self and I didn't want other people to be so lost. But when you're in a relationship and you believe that, you know, the person is not going to propose to you, you just operate a different way. You have this like, aspect of constant disappointment and this 
anticipation that is so difficult. It's suffocating. It's around every corner. And, you know, like Mark Twain once said, right? Some of my big, biggest disappointments never happened. And this is so true. It's so it's true for everyone. We worry about a possible event in the future or, or how we, walked, we watch how we try to contract in fear and think that we know what's going to happen around the next corner. And then plot twist, it doesn't exactly happen that way. Or it does and it doesn't hurt as badly. And it surprises us. But what kind of life is that? What kind of life is that where we can only see the fear and it has no purpose? I would rather die tomorrow knowing that, oh my gosh, I lived completely up into the very moment of my existence and I walked away with, with an incredible life, holding my values, holding my, my impact around every corner and giving as much as I could do and being as happy as I could be. Why not? And so the first space that I began to focus on was understanding how I work with major disappointment when it arises. What happens in my body? What shows up for me? What heartbreak really felt like versus just trying to consciously not do anything about it? No. I sat myself down and I faced it forward. And I just started breathing and noticing how my body was going to move through this regardless of if I was going to fight it or not. <laughs> you know, when there's pressure and when there's a challenge, you fall to the level of what you prepared for. You fall to the home, your standard of where you live. And if we do not practice staying present and withstand the emotional pool of disappointments, we get swept away in these emotional waves of loss of perspective, of depression, of anxiety versus not denying it, not pushing it away and trying to understand, okay, this is disappointment. This is, this is what this feels like. What does it feel like? What does it taste like? Where is it in my body? Am I able to still dance or is my dance different? Am I able to still create or is that creation different? And so I went toward it. And I think in a way that that sorrow allowed me to understand that when I have sorrow, it's not this spiking of sorrow. It's not this anger. It's not this frustration, but a acceptance. I don't want to make every pain or every disappointment this entire story that encapsulates me. I want to experience the way that life has every single beauty and blossom around every corner. How things are constantly changing and I get to watch them. I don't want to miss this space of seeing the flowers start to bloom and really connect with them in this year if this is the last time I'm going to see flowers. I'm not going to just breeze right past everything because I don't know. And so whether I'm on the side of a mountain or if I'm growing on top of a rock, I am going to try to suck all of the greatness through my roots 
I'm going to focus on that and I'm going to let all the other experiences, as tragically as they are, have a death in the flow of time. Not because I don't appreciate and accept them, but because I don't want my life to be encompassed by that. I don't want that to be the fertilizer that grows me. I want to cultivate what grows me. And so I really hope that this lands on somebody's heart tonight because, or in the morning or whenever you are listening to this, because I just think that, you know, in so many ways we have so much mysteriousness, so much awe, so much magic to be in awe of. How could we possibly miss it knowing how much our ancestors fought through? What right do I have to get upset when a dream of mine or something has pain? When my ancestors, who by the way, the reason they came to Ellis Island was because our family was being burnt at stakes. And so I guess in my heart, I wish I could whisper to them. We still persist. in 2023, in 2024, in 2044, in 2050, in 2060, that we are persisting as a force of a sisterhood, as women alongside one another, not backing down, as those who have light inside of their whole hearts, who believe, who have hope, who so brilliantly reflect all of their persistence, all of their survival, and we honor it with every single step that we have. And so I would ask you to consider to not make your disappointments a choiceless, unconscious decision, but rather a brilliantly conscious appreciation of how you are evolving and persisting in the wake of every person ahead of you who fought for you to be here too. All my love, all my light, rain on. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me in this space and this very intimate arena of sharing aspects about not only where I come from, but also 
being very raw and very open-hearted in how I feel about the process of receiving peace. What I'll say, since this is kind of an old recording, is that when we discover peace, peace is also about building peace and the relationship that we have to it. So if that first portion had really connected with you, I honor that. And if that feels aligned for you to end there, I also honor that. If you'd like to continue into the depth of this, where I may actually invite you a little bit further because you feel safe to open up in that arena, I invite you to continue then. If you do not feel safe to continue, pause it here, come back to it, and I will give you a moment. I so thank you for listening. I am so grateful for every single person that does listen in our space. Our community is so beautiful to me now and the way that it has grown and evolved. I'm grateful to have each and every one of you. If you ever have any topics that you are considering, feel free to reach out at info at riserainroll.com. I will continue to the second part here. When we recognize this unconscious false negative belief that you potentially inherited from other segments of your life, these are old and they're so, so young. But when you're able to see these beliefs very clearly, we're able to see the truth of what's in. And when we are able to see the truth of what's in and within, we understand that this is not only just an idea or the way that we speak to ourselves, i.e. the inner critic or shadow self or how we sabotage or that we are procrastinators, but that actually in reality that nearly 80% of your neurons are actually connected to your body, whereas 20% of them are connected to your brain. When we realize these factors, we understand that we have to empathize with our inner parts in a way that creates priority because our bodies keep these hormones and adjustments and stress points and anxiety points or even just the feeling of never being able to let down. And when I say in and within, usually the first time somebody hears me say that, they're like, wait a second, I, have to, I had to think about that. Because empathizing with your inner self or empathizing with your body as you are here as yourself now, there sometimes are these big gaps of perspectives or ideas that tend to come up. So when we are empathizing with that, and as a business owner, what happens? Well, you know, at the beginning of it, we don't even know how to empathize with it. We just know that like, we don't feel great. Something feels out of order. We might feel anxious. We might feel fearful. We might not want to believe the, or trust the future. So we'll step in and we'll start to micromanage and we'll react and we'll start to do or be something that we may not really feel connected to. So flipping this is about nurturing her and filling her in a way where you are almost reparenting 
all of those parts since they are so young. So for an example of choosing to build trust in that heart space is showing up regularly, consistently, creating structure around her so that she does not fail, understanding that she is desiring a comforting and safe environment, but sometimes in business we are flying. So almost making it like a game for her so she can get really comfortable with the turbulence and the dynamics that begin to change in that space. This takes a certain level of persistence. It takes a certain level of commitment to yourself where you begin to get a little self-obsessed with yourself where, uh, wait a second, I just don't feel exactly right. Like what's going on right now? Now, the difference here is that we are not creating this to a point where your emotions are leading your world. No, no, that's not our objective. We understand that when they are unhealed, they are leading your world. And when you understand that, you can create new empowering beliefs around them and create choices that support that. So when we are beginning this journey, we decide that our persistence and consistency are the new ways, beliefs, or ideas that we choose. So doing this can actually create like a new embodiment of yourself. What I like to do is I like to imagine somebody that I very much look up to, and I will share with you Princess Diana. Uh, Because for me, as a stepmom and somebody that has dynamics in that space, Oh, it can be very sticky, (laughs) literally and figuratively, messy, sticky, things can go all over the place. And, you know, I really want to truly uh, be the good for her and individuate her experience in a way that is unparalleled in many respects to the way that the landscape tends to be. And now gratefully I can do that because my partner, her father, is such a secure and empowered man. But more importantly, just from ourselves and our own beliefs. While that is important, it is also very important that we understand who we'd like to represent ourselves as. So I imagine Princess Diana playing on the front yard in front of the royal family, when the royal family was all in these really beautiful gowns, there's a picture of them behind her. And it looks as though they're off to the side, whereas she is in these like shorts that are definitely there to play in. The kids are really, really young. She's got this button down shirt. Her hair is tousled, but it looks great. She looks like she still took care of herself. And she's filling her mother cup. You can tell by the way she's playing with the boys and she's engaging with them. And it really just touches my heart every time I see that little clip. So when things get really difficult and I desire to be ruled by my emotion, now with a child in front of you, it tends to be a little harder to be ruled by your emotion, but your business in a lot of ways is your child. It's an extension of you and it comes through you, but it is not you proper. It's a part of you, yes, but it should not be connected to you in a way that it is all you think, eat, sleep, and obsess over. 
In contrast, once upon a time, I was a financial advisor and I was eat sleeping and obsessing over it. And I didn't understand that for the good of myself, for the good of the earth and for the good of my family, that these beliefs were creating a way that was actually creating a lot of um, patriarchal supremacy, patriarchal values. And in order for me to be truly empowered and liberated of my emotions, but also of my like past wounds, right? I have to really be able to understand that I can liberate from myself and be safe inside of myself because I choose that. And it shouldn't be having, I shouldn't be desiring rather to subjugate myself at my core or subjugate my business. And sometimes when we get really exhausted, that's what we actually tend to do. Setting boundaries for yourself and your business is one of the beautiful ways to build trust. Doing things regularly, consistently, again, powerful way to build trust. Empathizing with yourself, powerful. But most of all, seeing these beliefs clearly in the reality that we are is very important. Sometimes I find that people will use the spiritual world and almost weaponize it. They say, oh, you know, I saw 1111 or I saw 555 and I knew that it was because of X, Y, and Z. And now I understand that there is a lot of power to numerology and I love that part of the spirit essence and the spirit world. But I will tell you that it's not always that direct and that we are creating a lot of excuses to avoid the truth, to avoid discovering what it really means to us in a grander pattern versus pulling one singular aspect. And so I'll encourage you to start to build that trust within in a way where you are examining the beliefs that you have and you're really centering in to find out, is that true for me though? Because for all of us to have this expectation that we are all as holy as the holiest who got spiritual downloads every single day, it's kind of unfair for our own development, right? It's like, oh no, I know that one. So I'm just going to skip over this earthwork or this homework. And I encourage you to dive in. I encourage you to find these new empowering beliefs. I encourage you to get intimate with yourself and sensually connect with who you are for yes, the good of you, the good of your business good of our families, the good of this earth, the good of this universe and the galaxy. All my love, thank you so much for tuning in and staying with me for this last part. I so deeply honor your journey and my hope is, is that this does bring a level of peace to you and your business. Rise and reign.